Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So today I am interviewing Alora Cooper. And for one thing I had to ask about your name, because I've never heard of an Alora before. And, and I think that's one of the most beautiful names Thank you. and I I don't know if you reached out to me or I reached out to you but I think when I interview someone then I look at all their friends and the likes and then I follow them back and then I start looking at the photos and I'm just like oh, I have to meet this person I have to interview this person and then your photos because there's really really beautiful pictures of you in your costume but the ones that just captivated me were the ones that are um I want to say gymnastics, but I know that's not the right word. And I'll have you describe that. But the, the physicality of your, um, of these photos upside down and things, I'm like, wait, is that altered? <laughs> can a human being, uh, do that? And so there's, they're just so stunning. So I want to make sure we give credit to the, um, photographer, but also to you, because I think it shows a really wonderful side that to show like how glamorous the show is, but how strong and physical and the word empowered, because we talked before we record it, and I want to get into that because I'm already just like enamored with you of your, um, of your, of this, this strength and beauty, like this feminine and strength. And uh, we'll talk about how that comes into your Aussie being, but I'm just going to turn it over to you and just uh, have you introduce yourself and also where you are presently, but what show you were part of before COVID hit. Absolutely. So my name is Laura. I'm currently in Melbourne, Australia, which is crazy we've been in lockdown for months on end and we're finally on the way out so it's nice to um it's been a wild ride but we're finally getting a little bit of freedom back so it's ah. nice to, be able to appreciate melbourne again soon slightly and how now, but how, soon, how strict was that for you guys because i know it's been different for different countries or even different areas within the country crazy strict here um like rules we weren't allowed more than five kilometers from our house at any one time uh, only one person from the household may go to a supermarket. Um, supermarkets and chemists were the only things open, really. Doctor's studio, uh, doctor's clinics, uh, all telehealth, so all phone calls, um, unless it's an emergency, and then it, the hospitals are open, of course. Um, you can't see people that you don't live with. You can't go to meet a friend in a park. Um, recently, they've released that rule, and you can meet a friend in a park um that was five kilometers from your house and that lasted I think another three weeks it was like that and just last week they've released that we now can go 25 kilometers from our home which doesn't seem like a lot but when I looked on the map 25 kilometers is quite far so I've been lucky enough to be able to go to the beach this week um and meet friends at the beach and it's just made me feel so much more normal um, from what we've had 114 days of complete lockdown and then the, the restrictions started to ease. So it's, it's been a wild year. Are people um, just like running out or, or after the last time they got a taste of that and it got strict, are people a little more tentative, like getting out, like, okay, think, let's just yeah. come out a little at a time. I think some people are like that. There's definitely a taste of that. And I think even the people that are all going out and seeing people, they do have that in the back of their mind because we did have that five week little taster of um, freedom, which was, we all thought that's it. Okay, cool. We've, we've done lockdown now. And then it was uh, a quick five weeks of 
no, we don't have this under control. The numbers are now higher than they ever were. And when we say high numbers, it was only, we still only, we didn't hit 800 any of the days. We were still under 800. Um, but because they'd seen how globally the numbers would increase, they saw that and they were like, that whilst we have the opportunity to seize it here and nip it in the bud, they did. And I think all of us, especially in Melbourne, because the rest of the country didn't have these restrictions. So the state borders have all been closed off from us and we're like isolated in this little bubble here in Victoria. Um, and they've, I think us seeing the rest of the country still, like my friends in Queensland and Sydney were still going out for lunches with their friends and going here and having a party, going to the beach. And I was just in my living room doing my Pilates every day because there was nothing, I couldn't go anywhere. There was nowhere to go. I could leave my house for one hour of exercise a day which was crazy because an hour to me outside is like a sprinkling of salt. Like I spend so much time outdoors when I can. So for me yeah. to have that sprinkling of one hour, I was like an hour. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cause you're yeah. heading into your spring right now, right? Cause we're, yeah, yeah. we're almost summer. So in okay. three weeks time, it will be summer here. Because we had, for us, with March, we were going into spring and the weather was wonderful and we had yeah. some restrictions, but just to be able to go out for a walk and, mm -hmm. but I know like if people live in apartments, like you don't have that option. So that was yeah. the part that seems like, wait, how do you do this if you can't go outside for walks and fresh air and, <sighs> but then you get summer and beach time. Hopefully you guys just don't go, don't blow it. Just don't I be like the US. We're on a good path. We've had 10 days of zero cases and zero deaths. So we're on a good path and hopefully it's smooth sailing from here. Oh my gosh. Well, hang in there. It's, that's you. the thing of doing these interviews is talking to people all over the world and it's different, like where they are and how it's going and how they're handling it. And it's just makes me go, we are really all in this together. And it's we not like, well, just got this and we've all got to work together to help it just fizzle out into its like, gone away state Go hopefully sooner rather than later for oh, everyone hope so so where were you uh before this all happened you weren't in melbourne no i wasn't i was in paris so i have been working and living in paris for i was there for three and a half years uh which was incredible so i was there in my little studio apartment um and when we started hearing about all of this we all kind of just I think everyone of this day and age didn't really think it was going to become what it did. We all thought, oh yeah, okay. It's this terrible flu thing that's going around and it's, it's spreading quickly. And then over the space of about a month, it quickly went from like, you heard about it every now and then you didn't know too much about it. And then the cases kept rising and then it was cases in, in your suburb or your arrondissement. And then you were like, oh, okay. It is starting to close in a bit. And it, it became a little bit more real. Uh, at the time, we were rehearsing um, for the five-year um, anniversary show at Lido. And so it was like a little extra show that we were tagging onto the, the current show, um, Paris Mauve, which we were um, mid-rehearsing for. So we had rehearsals every day. We were all exhausted. We had long hours, um, absolutely loving every moment. We got to learn a lot of um, the old shows and bits and pieces and just even experiencing and understanding the knowledge of all of that as well. We got to learn a lot, which was amazing. Um, so all of us were super tired. And then we heard about this thing that was happening. And then it was kind of said, maybe we won't be doing that show now because things might be closing down. And all of us were like, 
couldn't believe it. Like all of this hard work and hours that we'd put in on top of already all of the hard work and hours we put into the show, uh, we just it baffled us. And we just didn't really think it was going to happen. I don't think anyone in the company really was like, oh yeah, that's going to happen. We just thought maybe shut for a weekend, a week maybe till it blows over. Um, but within the show closed on the Thursday. So the um, Thursday night was the last show. And then I flew home on the, on the Saturday night. How did they so tell I, you guys? I mean, you're, you're obviously seeing the news and hearing things coming yeah. around. How did they, um, how did they the tell you guys? French. So the news to a lot of the girls is overwhelming. Um, so it is hard for some people, like they couldn't watch the news and get the information. They had to Google it and rely on other people to pass on the information. Um, but they sent us emails. They kept us very updated on what they knew. And as soon as they had information, they did pass it on to us, which was incredible. Um, but yeah, so they kind of said, you know, like the show's closed for about a month um, until Paris opens up things again and we're allowed to start running the show again. So if you'd like to go home, we'd recommend going now and then, um, you know, come back in a month's time and we'll get back into it. So all of us were thinking, great, you know, what a great opportunity for a little holiday home. Everyone can see their families. And it was a little bit frightening, all of us there in our studio apartments alone who didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to deal with this. And because we weren't with family, we weren't with living with someone. It just, it was a very overwhelming feeling. So I think all of us that were kind of in that situation, when as soon as they kind of suggested, maybe you'd like to go home, we were like, yeah, yeah, I'd love, I'd love that opportunity to go home. Um, and as you know, like as a performer, when you're traveling, you don't always have that opportunity to go home. So when it does arise, it's, you, you can never say no to that option. It's always okay. So, you know, the ones that have got their families there, um, they stayed in Paris and they stayed around. And I mean, I feel for them now because they are putting in the hard yards. They are really cracked down on at the moment. Um, but yeah, I flew out on the Saturday night and I arrived back here um, on the Monday morning. And I arrived back here to 14 day quarantine in your house. So I had to stay in my bedroom for 14 days uh, and I had to get a COVID test. Um, and the government would call me on the phone to make sure I was staying at home. And it oh, was wow. wild. It was really wild. Um, and then after that, they did start doing hotel quarantine. So I missed out on the hotel quarantine, which was kind of nice because I still got to see my family like through the window as they walked by. I felt like I was in some little like prison cell. Oh my but gosh. It was a beautiful prison cell in my bedroom. Like I am <laughs> grateful and I'm thankful. Like it was, it was absolutely fine, but it was hard. Um, and cause I had not seen them for months to see them but not be able to see them was a little bit torture. <laughs> also, were they like, I heard some people when they got out, it was getting harder and harder. Certain countries are already not allowing. They so like, had, if you guys hesitated, you might've been stuck. That was the problem. They'd started closing borders. And um, yes, Australia was repatriating people um, from all over for a, quite a long time. They did do a very good effort of getting as many people as they really could home and giving people the option to get home. But they, that was the thing. No one knew when the borders were going to close it in any country. So they kind of, everyone left as soon as they could to not miss out on that opportunity. It yeah. was, yeah, it was crazy. Absolutely. And a little crazy. bit of panic of that too. It's, yeah. oh my gosh. So, so Melbourne, you've had yeah. that when you come home to, but what was, what was it like growing up there? Like, what was your experience as a child? And then we do want to get into like where dance comes into your life. Cause like you yeah. said, it wasn't uh, like as some kids start it too. Yeah, I I love Melbourne. I really do. It's it's one of those places I have lived all over the world. 
but Melbourne is still home and it, it always will be. I don't think it matters where I, where I eventually base myself, whether it's here, whether it's somewhere in Australia, whether it's overseas, I, I don't know at the minute. And I kind of like not knowing. I like that, um, yeah. that no, there's no set plan for me right now. Um, but growing up here was just, I had a wonderful childhood. I can't, I can't say I didn't. I really did have a wonderful childhood. I've got a twin sister um, and two older brothers. And so growing up with a twin sister was just the coolest thing. Like just to have your best friend. Like we shared a room till we were about 14. And it, we just thought that was it in a bit. I had my best friend in the world next to mm. me in the bed every day it was just it was really cool like we had bunk beds we had tent beds we had anything you name it we decided it was a great idea like we had bunk beds and then we were like mom and dad please can you cut our bunk beds in half we want single beds so <laughs> chainsaw and chopped our bunk beds in half so I had a really high single bed and my sister had a really low single bed <laughs> Just because my brother, my dad was like, well, there you go. Now you've got two single beds. And we were like, this is the best. Oh my God. Um, and yeah, I, like you said, a lot of people start dancing when they're two, when they're tiny. Um, I started ballet when I was nine. Um, I was almost 10. Um, and I did ballet for a couple of years. And then I did dapple into a few other styles um, for probably about a year. And then I, I was sold. Dancing was it in a bit. I did everything, um, which I I would spend five, six nights a week. And I'm talking from four o'clock till 9.30 every night at dancing. And I loved it. I absolutely loved every second of it. But I didn't start until a little bit later. I did do um, a sport here in Australia um, called calisthenics, which is like a, a dance and gymnastic based um, sport. It's only here in Australia um, mm. and it's, mainly in Victoria. Other states do have it as well, but it is um, a much bigger sport here. Um, and it, it is uh, the dancing and calisthenics definitely complemented each other in so many ways. And I did um, calisthenics for 16 years. So I started that when I was two and a little bit. Um, and I did all the way up until my last year of high school. So when I was 17. And my the friends that I made at calisthenics are my best friends I have now still. And it's just one of those things, they all still live in Melbourne. So when I'm home here, I have those people around me. I have those friends that I've grown up with that you might not see every day, but when you see them, it's like you saw them two hours ago and there's nothing's changed. Everything's just right. And you just sit down mm. and you, nothing's stressful about it. And it is lovely. So that's kind of how I grew up. I also, I did play a lot of sports um, at school and stuff as well. Like I loved athletics, um, swimming, running, like I was a sprinter. So um, hundred meter sprint and triple jump, that was it in a bit for me. And there was a time where I had to pick between doing those and dancing. Um, when I was about 14, I did have to decide, do I want to continue training super hard and get my sprinting and my triple jump where it, where it needs to be to go further with it? Or do I want to do dancing? Because I had a, I had a love for both. I think dancing always pushed ahead, but there was something about that, um, the drive that you have to have to train to do sprinting, like the power you have to put onto yourself and learn how your body works. Something about that whole side of it really got to me. And I think that still carries on now. Like anything anatomy-based to me is just so interesting. Um, which I, yeah, at the moment is kind of 
relevant. I've started studying nursing. Um, and I think that whole part of the anatomy and how it, it works and how everything in life comes together in, within yourself. I think that to mm -hmm. me is just so interesting. I'm loving it. And did your sister do dance as well or did she have a different path? She did. She danced when we were younger. Um, she was, I will say this till I am blue in the face. She was a better dancer than I was any day of the week. Her ability was just phenomenal. Um, and I'm sure she still has that ability, but she's had quite a lot of operations on her hips. Um, and she had a lot of medical problems with her hips. So she was in a wheelchair for a little bit and on crutches a lot. So she kind of had to, she did it more as a casual thing slightly as she healed from that, but she didn't um, pursue it at all um, to another level. But she's a social worker now, which is super cool. Really? Yeah. Wow. And you also, you also teach Pilates. Like I think that when yeah. I look at all these pictures of this extreme strength and grace, because like we talked a little bit about femininity and also like yeah. the Aussie way of being a girl, because I feel like when people think showgirls that it's just fluffy and light, you could just yeah, knock them over, like, to see this beautiful the strength. They would believe that. <laughs> so what you were saying also, out of this kind of an Australian thing, because I think I've, I've interviewed quite a few Aussie girls, and, like, yeah. uh, Marissa was saying, like, when they come to Paris or America, they have, people are just intrigued because they have this, this strength, but they also have, like, a weird combination, like, naivete yeah, and worldly. Like, there's an interesting thing because they're, like, they seem wholesome, but adventurous and they could wrestle a crocodile if you needed him to. Absolutely. <laughs> I think, I think we just don't settle for that dreams too big or that dreams too large. I think we all just have this unspoken mentality and unspoken kind of like desire to want more and know that it's out there. I think we, we know these options are out there, whether whatever field that you're in, we know that you can take it anywhere you want. And I think we, we jump at that opportunity to, um, you know, you can go and do this job. You can stay here and do it, but you can also go overseas and do it. And then there's something about that the want to taste that overseas. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like, I think even growing up, I had that, I know myself personally, I had that um, drive of if someone said, for example, when we were dancing or learning a step and like, they'd be like, so this is the boys step or this is the boys combination. That to me didn't, it didn't sit well. I was like, yeah, it's a boys <laughs> based idea of a step, but I'm going to do it. And so I, growing up, would do every boy exercise down the floor, across the room, whatever we were doing at the bar. If they, as soon as they said, this is a boy's exercise, to me, that meant this is a stronger exercise and this requires more power. So that to me was like, well, I'm going to show you that a girl can do that and perform it to a better level in my head. This is what I'm thinking because I'm like, I'm going to put that feminine side to it and it's going to have that look of, not sure why it looks different, but it does. Like I, yeah. I never, I never settled for someone telling me that I couldn't learn something or I couldn't do it because that just didn't ever sit well with me. And it, that was just a drive for me to want to do it more. I love that. Wow. So did you go through your dancing in your school thinking maybe one day you would pursue dance or was it just something you did as a passion for uh, the time being? I definitely did. When I was, when I first started, it was just the love of it. And I had these amazing friends there and you go to dance after school and it's just the best thing in the world. You get there and you're just like on a whole other level. 
like you've got your friends at school, but then your dance friends are just, they're like your sisters. They're your, they're your brothers and sisters that you, it, it, you just all get each other for some reason. It all just clicks. Um, and I think after probably four or five years of dancing, I was like, yeah, this is cool. I, I like this. And I, I started doing um, more like private tuition classes to try and like extend my knowledge. Um, and I did classes with um, two teachers from the Australian Ballet. I used to have a private lesson on a Tuesday night, which was purely, I thought I was getting into it to learn like a nice ballet routine and do a few classes. But I would spend Tuesday nights, two and a half hours on point with this husband and wife. And they would drill me on strength exercises, turning exercises, um, just anything you can think of. But it was just, just me and these two teachers who would hone in so close on every little detail, which sometimes I would come out of that class just so overwhelmed with the, the, like the drive and the desire that they had to want me to be good. But then me being a 14-year-old kid who's like, oh my goodness, this is overwhelmingly like pressure on myself mm. um, because I, I didn't want to let them down. And then as I think I did that for almost two and a half, three years with them. And I think from the start at the beginning, everyone's got like that part where you go in and you're like, okay, I'm still learning. I'm still quite new. I'd only done point for about a year when I had started with them. But then by the end of the two and a half years, they, they're like, well, we've seen you every week for two and a half years. Like we know you can do that. So if I'd have an off night or a night that I was tired or didn't quite give them what they knew I could do, they, they were quite hard on me, which I kind of, I work better under that kind of pressure. I don't work great under someone being like, that's okay. No problem. I, if someone says, no, I know you can do better. I'm like, no, I, I can do better. That's true. So I would go in there each week with the want to show them that I was better each week, like even after two and a half years, like I still wanted to show them that from that step they taught me last week, I can do it perfect now, or I can do it never perfect. That doesn't ever happen, but I can do it at a level that I know I didn't do last week. Um, and they kind of set me a challenge. Like by the time you leave training with us, you will not do no less than five turns on point. And when I started, I would just laugh at that. I'd be like, oh, that's funny. That's a really good joke. Well done. <laughs> and by the end of the time with them, I could comfortably do six or seven turns on point without even thinking about it. Um, which that was to me, I'm like, that was my peak in point. That I was yeah. at the highest level. <laughs> no, it's crazy. Did you see shows like cabaret shows or like the, the uh, Parisian, Parisian or the feathery things anything in your sight line of where you lived? Was there something like no, that? No, I had never seen anything like this. I'd seen photos. I'd seen my dance school had posters from all over the world on the walls and all of that kind of stuff. So I'd seen those kind of posters and, you know, question, what is that? What do they do? Like, that's cool. That like, that looks really cool. And I was always a really lanky, um, I wasn't super tall when I was little, but I grew a lot in one year and I was, I was like a beanpole. I was, I had no strength in my muscles. It was out. It was, I was like a tiny little giraffe that just learning to walk. <laughs> um, and everyone had kind of said, oh, you should be like, you know, one of those Vegas showgirls. Like when I was little, people would tell me all that all the time. Like, oh, you love dancing. Why? You're tall. You should be a Vegas showgirl. And I was like, I was probably 16, 15, 16. I was like, that'd be so cool. Like didn't really know much of it. Didn't know anything about it, but I was like, they get to wear sparkly costumes feathers and they look beautiful and every time I'd seen a photo or a video or anything of anyone I was like they're beautiful 
Wow. <laughs> and so as I got a bit older and when I got into my full-time college, um, my principal of the college who still owns it, Todd Patrick, he was a dancer at the Lido de Paris, which was um, kind of my first introduction to it. Um, and he kind of had said to me, you know, I, I worked as a cabaret dancer because as soon as I kind of started there, he was like, you're, you're tall. And I was like, I, I am tall. <laughs> um, which I then found out when I got to Paris, I'm not really that tall. I'm just tall for a girl here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's that thing when you realize there's, oh, there's many more that are much taller. Much taller, not even like a little bit, much taller than I am. Um, yeah. So he kind of had showed me a few photos and videos and bits and pieces. And he said, you know, look it up, research it. So I did. And I, I just, I remember sitting at home that night and just looking at all of these photos and videos on YouTube, like anything that I could find honestly anything for hours on end and I was just like I couldn't even blink I was just staring at this computer screen and I just walked away like from that like went to bed brought up the next day walked into the studio and I was just like Todd I I need to we need to make that happen I don't know how um and he, his words were Ellie when I met you you told me you wanted to be a contemporary dancer and I was like yeah I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I, I love contemporary and I, I can appreciate every moment of contemporary. And like I still, to this day, doing contemporary class to me is just like energy for the soul. Like you just, yeah. oh, it's just heaven really. Um, but he was like, okay, well, let's, how do we work on it? Let's do it. And to be, to be fair, we didn't really work specifically on that at all. Um, but we did, he did push me to continue working my ballet, making sure that I was on top of my technique um, because he knew to, to do anything in the showgirl industry or the cabaret industry, you have to have that technique behind you. Otherwise your body will give in quicker than you can think. Um, and so yeah, I worked super hard on my like technique throughout college. And um, my first job I actually got was in my last year of college. I didn't finish out the year. I got a job and I, um, moved to Queensland uh, to do a job at a show called Cabaret de Paris, which is Marissa Burgess is the um, principal of that show. Mm -hmm. um, so I flew up there and that was my first taste of um, a professional job and moving away from home and all of that, which was just, that show has a special place in my heart and it will forever. It just, that whole contract, um, I learned so much, even down to the small things about how I do my makeup on myself, what looks good on me, how, how do I hold myself? And the most important thing I learned that contract was how to walk in heels and how hard <laughs> that is. Yes. <laughs> so hard. I think when dancers think that that's going to be the easy part and then they can be doing the rest and then struggle with that yeah. because there's not really much, I mean, you could do jazz walks and jazz spots, but it's not the same. And so no. to actually to fine tune is like, harder than like go ahead and just do some cartwheels that's that's easier and I think it surprises people of it, how much muscle control and so much muscle and like to make your body move in a way that looks so beautiful but feels so abnormal until you master it and then once you've kind of got the hang of it that feels like natural walking and then walking yeah. down the street feels somewhat bizarre that you're just walking straight down the street it's funny when you see like ladies my age that that did those shows if every photo there's no way to not stand in a bevel it's like I've it feels so wrong and you i've had pictures of my friends and dresses standing normal and i'm like i, I don't, I don't know how to stand normal 
Yeah, and it, it looks so much better though. Like when you look at the picture, like wait, there's a reason for standing this way with the angles and the leg. And I think learning all of that when I was young, like that first contract, Marissa really shared between her and like when Todd was choreographing it and sharing all of the information that he had, the knowledge that he had onto us whilst we were learning the show was just, I would go home from rehearsals every day, like mind blown, like, wow, there's so much to this. When you just think, I think as a dancer, until you understand that side of it, or until you've really um, seen a lot of it or understand more of it um, as you go along, you don't get that part of it. You just think it's people looking pretty in a costume and like framing the stage, but it's it's nothing to do with that. It's It's all about, you have to be bigger than the costumes to actually be seen on the stage firstly. And you need to present out just so much femininity and strength. You can't just whimper into the background because you don't, that doesn't come across at all. Mm. Well, even like the femininity and strength of that balance. I think that when I saw the Lido show, that's the part that blew me away was how strong, but how beautiful, like, the one thing with the mohawk pieces and the suit, I just thought, man, they're fierce. But then I think I've said this so many times, but that um, uh, tango number is, is that is one of my oh, favorite. It's, oh, it's so good. Yeah, but it is that feminine and strong, which yeah, I think Liz, hearing good. a little bit of your personality, I, I don't know if something was too fluffy. I don't know. I don't know. I imagine you wanting to do something that's too fluffy yeah. without the no, challenge. I think, I think definitely anything. I think especially even growing up and to now, my performance sits better into that strong femininity rather than that cheesier, um, big smile. Like I can still happily do that and feel beautiful doing it, but my natural instinct is to sit more into that strength side. Um, and that comes back to, I think, how I grew up. Like I was an outdoors kid. I was a um, go camping. I still am camping and running like I am obsessed with running at the moment especially because we've had not much to do like anything that's outdoors that's um like as a kid I I had Barbies and I had toys they weren't where I loved to be like my twin sister would sit and play Barbies for hours on end and I would I would play a bit and they'd be like okay next like I just wanted to do something that was required me to um just to push I don't I not even push harder because I was a child, but just like something else that required more strength. Like I would rather have done handstands for four hours just because <laughs> I would come out of that being like, yeah, I feel like I did great today. I did so many handstands. And like, that's just <laughs> my personality. Um, but definitely, yeah, the, the, the big smile and grin, like I love it. I do. But yeah, naturally like that tango number to me was just learning that and performing that was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Every time I did it, I loved it. It's just a fun thing to think of someone, I'm picturing you as a child, that would be drawn to that. And so what after, because um, no, Cabaret de Paris. I want to say Casino de Paris. This totally different show. So did you, did, did Marissa tell you about her life in Paris or did you get to hear her experience? Yeah, she was very um, much like, you know, if you have any questions or you want to know anything or you just want to hear some stories, please, my dressing room doors open, please come forward. Um, and like she had days where she would take us all out on the stage, like the newbies, like the ones that this was our first contract and, and teach us, you know, how to walk and give us hints and tips, which she always said, take them or leave them. You don't have to take them. They, I'm going to put them out on the platter and you take what you want. Oh, um, wow. and how to bevel and just how to do makeup that 
ways she'd learned over the years. And she get again, something might not work on you, but it works on me, but you might want to try it and adapt it to how it works for you. Um, so she was very um, welcoming in that sense. She just really welcomed us into this cabaret world that all of us were so new to. Um, and even like to wearing the backpacks, I'd never worn a backpack. I'd worn tiny little backpacks, ones that weren't really much. And then we had these big, huge backpacks. And um, the finale for that show, I had a giant like lampshade kind of hat on. And I say giant, it was about 1.5 meters wide. It was, it was big and heavy. And I just didn't, the first time I put it on, I just became this like cut out cardboard man that couldn't move. I couldn't <laughs> And so even just how to how to learn to move your body and look elegant whilst carrying this eight kilo hat on your head, which eight kilos doesn't sound like it's that much, but when it's on your head and you're trying to dance and turn and spin right. and you're like, you're stuck. And I think Alito as well, like some of our hats, like the swan hats that we have and on the chandelier, those big chandelier hats we have, they're heavy. And so you learn the show and then you do, you do it. I think this is for every show. You learn the show and then you put your costumes on and you're, you're practically relearning the show right. on your body. You're like recreating it to feel comfortable. It's crazy. And not have your neck, cr- you know, end up in the exactly hospital right. from turning yourself. the wrong way. Absolutely. Um, was there a few uh, shows that went in between uh, that show and getting to the Lido? Like what was your, your path yeah. that got you all the way there? Yeah, so I uh, I did that show and then I came back to Melbourne and did a, uh, a Christmas show at our big casino we have here at Crown Casino. Um, and we did, it was really cool. We'd like had this giant staircase that we danced up and down. We called ourselves like the mountain goats because we, it was <laughs> terrifying. Um, and we, they were all showgirls. So we were all tall. We all had high heels on and this marble staircase was petrifying. Um, and so I did that contract, which was amazing. And like the girls I danced with, it was such a fun contract as well. So I finished out that year. I was on top of the world. I'd done an amazing year of dancing. I'd done this contract in Queensland. I'd experienced like living away from home and dancing for a job, like getting paid for what I love to do. And then I did this contract in Melbourne, finished off the year. Um, and then I got my first international contract and it was with um, Norwegian Cruise Line. So I, I went and did for Norwegian. Yeah. Was it, G- I- was it G- was it Jean Ann Ryan still or because I'm not, no, I think she's. Um, okay. I worked for Just Norwegian. I'm like for the creative studios there. Um, but now Jean Ann is back with Norwegian. Oh, she is. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. She's been forever. Yeah. So a lot I, of people are giving her credit for training a lot of showgirls because the she, the way she absolutely. trained, then people did go on and do some other shows. So absolutely. giving her so some credit for, for a lot of yeah. us that have done both. Absolutely. And I think the show I did definitely was yeah, that way inclined as well. I did Vegas, the show, which they have in Vegas as well. Um, and we did it on the ship, which was a showgirl based show again. So it was, again, I had another experience being a showgirl um, and we did another show as well, which is more of a jazz um, based show, which was really cool. Um, and then I came home and did a pantomime actually um, in Melbourne, which we were discussing like the difference between um, right. like words to describe things like a pantomime here um is very similar to england so it's like ours was a christmas spectacular show and it was about this child who woke up and um santa had been and it was it was fun it was super fun um we got to wear like candy cane dresses and all cute things um and then after that i did a show in melbourne um just a short run series so we did like i think three weekends in a row and on the third weekend my friend who was at lido at the time messaged me his name's Julian he's from um, New Zealand originally he grew up in Queensland 
Um, but he trained at the same college that I trained at. So he went to Patrick Studios Australia as well. And he messaged me saying, Lido's just released their audition dates. Um, I know how much you'd love to do the show. I don't know where you're at in life at the moment. I don't know what's happening. Um, but if you want to fly over, I can send you the audition date, send your stuff in to Lido. Um, they'll let you know if you get the audition and fly over. And he went, you know, you're always welcome to stay with me. So I was like, okay, well, maybe. And I'm thinking the audition is going to be in four or five months time. But Lido often release their audition dates only a couple of weeks, maybe a month, maybe a month in advance, very short notice. Yeah, that's, uh, I think every story I've heard was like, okay, alter your life, go. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's all, I think the audition must have been from the day he sent me, it must have been in two weeks time. So in my head, I'm at this show at Crown Casino again in this beautiful, huge, big auditorium. Like I went and did a number and I came back off and I'm thinking whilst I'm on the stage, whilst I was doing that number, I'm like, this is what I want to do in my life. Like, why would I pass up the op opportunity to go there? And I'm like, well, I don't have anything at the moment. Like I've got this show. This is the last show for this um, little um, series that we're doing. And, you know, I've got work, little jobs here and there coming up, but you know, nothing major planned yet. So I was like, you know what? Yeah. So I sat in the dressing room. Um, I booked a flight. So this was on the Friday night and I booked a flight for the Tuesday morning. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so Todd, the um, my principal, he was there at the time. He'd choreographed this show, and he'd. Um, I said to him, Todd, I'm I'm gonna fly to Lido. They've got an audition in two weeks' time, and he went, great. And he was just so like, okay, let's let's go. And he, I was like, no, I booked the flight. I'm going. And he was like, right. Have you told your mom? <laughs> and at this time, he he'd met my mom, and he knew what she was like. He knew that she would panic, and like I was flying to Europe alone. I had no plans. I hadn't booked any. I wasn't going to book accommodation. I was just going to play it by ear. I was like, I've got friends there. I'll just go and I'll see people. I've got family in Essex. I was like, I'll go see them. I'll, I had this like big plan of like, I was going to have this solo trip to Europe. I was so excited. And so he went, can I please be there when you tell your mum?" And I was like, sure. So I called my mum, and she literally, she was excited, but I could just hear the panic in her voice. Like, Oh, who are you going with? <laughs> On your own? Oh, okay. And, and when are you going? And I was like, on Tuesday. <laughs> she was like, Elliot, Friday night. And I was like, I know, I'm aware of what it is. And she was excited and she was super supportive and like so excited for me to be just taking this leap to try something I wanted to do. And I, like, like I said, I didn't take no for an answer until they physically didn't hire me. Me not going wasn't an option. So yeah. I was like, I'm going. And so Tuesday come around, my mom drops me at the airport. I'm sat in the waiting room, like in, what's it called? In like the waiting area on those chairs. I'm sat there thinking, wow, I'm, I'm doing this. Okay, I'm checked in. I've got my like passport. I've got my ticket. I'm like, this is happening. So I flew into London. I arrived in London, hadn't booked any accommodation, hadn't sorted anything <laughs> Got to this cafe, gave my friend a call who I did the first ship with. I'm like, hey, Carly. Um, not sure we up to tonight. Um, just wondering if you wanted to get dinner. She was like, Ellie, I'm in London. And I was like, yeah, I know. So am I. And she was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? And she's like, where are you staying? I was like, oh, I haven't sorted that out yet. She was like, oh, well, you're staying with me, of course. So then I ended up staying with her for a few days, which was just incredible. Um, and then I rang my cousin. So my dad's English. He's from Essex. So I rang my cousins and I was like, hey, um, are you guys home this weekend? Um, I was thinking of popping down for the weekend just to see you guys. 
And they were like, are you in England? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so again, I go down there. I met them all. I stayed with them for the weekend. It was absolutely incredible. Then I got on the train to Paris. And on the train to Paris, I decided it would be a good idea to watch Taken, the music, um, the movie. <laughs> Terrified. <laughs> so I arrived in Paris and I was like, oh my goodness. Um, I'd spoken to my friend whilst I'd been in England and I was staying with her and then with my other friend, um, Julian. So I'd stay with her. She was at the Moulin at the time. So I stayed with her a few days and then I think I'd been in Paris two or three days and then the audition was on. So I, in Australia, I don't know what it's like in America, but in Australia, the auditions are auditions at 10. You arrive at 8.30, you're warmed up, you're ready. You're, the audition starts at 10. I didn't realize in Europe when they say the audition's at 12, the doors open at 12. You then go in, you warm up, you get dressed, you get your number, you register. So I rock up and they're like, the audition's at 12. And I'm like, great, okay, I'll be there at 9.30. You know, I want to be really warmed up. I don't want to be late. I don't want to be 120 person in the in the queue. Like, yeah. I wanna be, I'm going to get there early. I got there and I was like, maybe I've got the right, like wrong day or the wrong location. I was like, no, they said at the venue. So I'm like outside Lido, like, there's no one here. So I spoke to, I walked in, there's like a lady behind the desk and I was like, I just, just wondering, she was like, are you here for the audition? I think she could tell I was like petrified, like, oh God. <laughs> I mean, I'd seen the show the night before. So I was excited. I was like, I've seen the show now. I'm like, get me onto that stage to audition. Um, and so she was like, no, come back at 12. So I was on the Champs-Élysées on my own with my like bag of dance stuff, full face of makeup on. And I'm like, <laughs> come back at 12? I was like, that's two and a half hours away. I was like, what am I going to do? So I walked up and down. I walked laps of the Champs-Élysées. I went into <laughs> night. I went into every shop. I went to Louis Vuitton just to have a look. And then I got to, I think, about 11 o'clock. And I was like, no, Ellie, no, you're here to audition. You concentrate. So I was like, okay, back to the theatre. And by the time I got back, I think it was about maybe quarter past 11, half 11. And like a few people had started arriving and stuff. And they started letting us in. So I think it was kind of good because it calmed my nerves because I just went from this audition to this person that was just strolling up and down the Champs-Élysées. And I thought that was the best thing in the world. I was like, this is the most beautiful place I've ever been. Oh. So I, yeah, I got in there and um, auditioned. But yeah, before that I had done, no, it wasn't, it was after this, don't worry. Um, I did the audition <laughs> and I did really well. I got all the way to the end, but they were, um, they said like, you know, you're just, you're quite young. And I was, I was 22, I was a baby. Um, and even though I'd traveled and I had worked overseas, I was just, I was 22. Like I was just mm. little. And so before that year, I had done the second ship. So I'd done um, my Royal Caribbean ship, which had been cool, um, which kind of was a bit more of a jazz contemporary based show. So that kind of was a nice to do something that was different. Um, but then, yeah, so I didn't get the job at Lido. So I he headed home. Um, I went to Germany actually after that. I spent a few days in Germany, which was cool. Berlin's just incredible. So for just that plus, which I adore that show just absolutely everything they produce mm. is incredible flew home um and got a job in macau um working in a show there in the casino we did um for board productions we did um viva la broadway which was another um cabaret show and this i got to be dance captain for this show so this really gave me a taste of like taking the reins on the show like um steve who ran who owned the show and created and produced it he wasn't there for the season. He was there and did it and then he went home. So it was my job to manage it, to run it, to make sure rehearsals ran smoothly, all of that kind of stuff, to report back to Steve how things were going. 
Um, so I, I did learn a lot in that contract about how to, to work at a different angle as a dancer. So it does take, you do have to like take time to learn how to be a dance captain. So it was a really great learning experience for me. Um, and after that, I came home and I flew to Paris again to re-audition. Can I ask uh, a question back about that? Yeah, when you were told no, did you, did you have any inkling of, of just giving up or did it make you think, okay, here's what I need to do and I'm going to come back? Or what was your mindset when you left uh, yeah. being told no? And you're, you get to be wowed by Paris and the show. So Literally. it's a little bit different if, you, if they came to Melbourne. Look, you got to experience it. I think that does make a difference to auditioning for a company like that. It's not everyone gets a chance to audition for a company like that because you have to be in the right spot at the right time, whether you make yourself be there or if it's by coincidence, but you don't, not everyone has that opportunity. So I think to, to be able to do that in the first place and then see the show and be in Paris, I was, I was in awe of all of it. Mm. Um, I didn't really take no as an answer. I just took that as a um, go away and grow and become you more and I think that was what they were getting at when they said I was young like I was able to do the dance but I wasn't be able to bring myself to the dance I was just giving them a performance of the show right I wasn't giving them a personality and when you watch the Lido I don't know how you felt when you watched it every person on that stage even though they're doing the same routine has their own personality and you can see that clearly whilst you watch the show and you can follow that person through the show and see their personality through the show. And if you watch someone else, you see a different show altogether. Yeah. No, I feel but like there's people that I can still picture and I watch video. I'm like, oh, I remember that girl or I remember yeah, that guy. Well, we, were we were talking before we recorded also like so on the cruise ships. Like I remember being 23, which I thought it was old and having 18 year olds come on who've never left their hometown, yeah. innocent. And within a week they're smoking, drinking. They've slept with everyone on the ship. And they're also making it hard for the rest of the cast because yeah. they're getting in trouble and we have to kind of babysit them. So there's that part of being too young when you just like be free little bird, but exactly. also like personalities backstage. Cause it's not like some of those shorter contracts you've done. Like this is a long contract. So you want to make yeah. sure people can handle being and together. And I feel like that, that maturity Absolutely. that you got afterwards, like what a wonderful I think like you're leading into it with Marissa to get that training, but also company manager and go, but then you, you actually went for it. Cause I just feel like a lot of people here know, and they just, they don't recover. No. And I think like you said, like you, it is the backstage just as much as the onstage, maybe even more important the backstage, because if you don't have a, a comfortable environment and you're working in, it makes it very hard, not only for yourself, but for everyone else around you and things don't run smoothly. And they're the people that don't, don't gel well. And I think they, they wait for the right time for each person when they hire people at Lido. And mm. it might be one year after your audition, it might be immediately, it might be three years later. They, they know when the time is right for you to be given that, that opportunity. And I, I can respect that so much, but no wasn't a, an answer for me. It was just a, mm. a postponed yes. Yep. That sounds like uh, your, your personality from the get go. Yeah, exactly right. So what was your uh, second audition yeah. like? Did you go through the same way as the, how they had you do it? Was it a group audition? Yep. Yeah, so same way. It was exactly the same. Um, I had gone and auditioned um, for a few companies in England for a few different shows, a couple of musicals. I'd kind of made a bit of a holiday out of it as well as um, auditioning because I just wanted to go back there. I just knew my time wasn't up. And after being in Macau, I was like, now's the time. I've, like, I'm ready to go back and 
Um, I auditioned again and I also auditioned for another company there called Le Nouvelev, which are um, just down the road from um, the Moulin Rouge. And I got that contract and they were like, we need you to start in a week and a half's time. So I flew home to Melbourne. I packed up my life and I moved to Paris, um, which was incredible. So I started rehearsals and I um, got an apartment. I was there and um, it was just it was, that was my like stepping stone. And Lido had, had not said no, they had not said yes. They'd said, look at the time we're running these auditions. We just don't have any spots um, at the moment, which is also, as you would know, a lot of European companies will run, rehe- run an audition every year. They may or may not need people at that time. Um, just depends on contracts, but that doesn't mean they might won't need someone in a month's time, in two months time. Um, but that's just when they've got that opportunity to run the, re- the audition. Um, they might not have time later in the year. So they just do it then and then they keep people on file. So um, again, like that audition had gone much better. They were like, wow, like even in the year that we've not seen you, you've grown so much. And um, Oh, that's so good. I went out of like, I felt great. I felt like, okay, well, I've given them my all now. They've seen everything. And actually one thing that happened in that audition, and I've never had this happen in an audition before, I got to the end of it and um, they made me take off all of my makeup and just sit there and have a talk with them just... But do you when you've used makeup wipes and then your face is bright red and spotchy? Right. Oh, yeah. I'm also red and sweaty from the audition. And I was like, I can't look good right now. But that's what happens. And do they do that for everybody or is that a... I'm not really sure. I think it was just a... I don't really know why, but they just did it. And I was like, oh. Wow. Wow. Um, and so I left that audition. I looked atrocious because I had like a red spotchy face and my hair was sweaty. <laughs> But I went home to that hotel that night and just thought like, wow, that was fun. I, I felt mm. good after that. And then I did the audition the next day for Le Nouvelle. And I think I had that energy from that audition that I felt good about myself. And I was flying home that night and I did the audition and they got me to sign my contract on the spot. They were like, okay, you start rehearsal in like 10 days. Are you available? And I was like, yep, I'll see you in 10 days. So I came did home. You, that I, was for the Lido or did you get hired for both? This is for Le Nouvelle. At that time, I'd not heard back from Lido okay, yet. Okay, so, okay. And Le Nouvelle is a short contract. So it's a summer contract. Um, and then during my time at Le Nouvelle, which was such a fun contract, really just, it, I got to live in, like experience Paris. Um, and because all of, everyone at Le Nouvelle starts at the same time, which is not what happens at a lot of cabarets. Um, it was kind of a nice experience. So we all experienced um, Paris together. We were all new, we were all excited. So I felt like that was a really nice entry to Paris. And then um, I heard from Lido whilst I was there and they were like, um, we've heard you're at um, Nouvelle. Uh, we'd love to have you here when you finish. Like, when do you finish? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I, yeah, I spoke with them and then I started, I went home, I flew home for like, I think I was home for seven days, um, which when I think about it now, I really should have just taken seven days to relax because the Nouvelle contract is hard. My body was ruined. I was tired, but I was so on top of the world. I really was. I was loving my life. Um, and so I flew home, saw all my family because I knew I wouldn't see them for maybe another year, 18 months, depends how long before I could get holidays because I knew how it worked. It was a bit different to any other contract I've done. Like you're there for a long period of time. So you get your holidays scheduled. You get those kind of things. Um, so I flew back. I did rehearsals. I moved apartments and the rest was history. So it actually, my first show at Lido was the 7th of November, um, three years ago. So just last week was my three year anniversary. Wow. And I remember that night, like it was yesterday. It was just, 
the most surreal feeling. Um, and it's, it's strange. I don't know how your um, rehearsals went, but we, I did rehearsals alone. So it was just me learning the show in the theater with um, Vic, the dance captain who you spoke with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so she taught me the show. I learned it all. I had one dress run um, where everyone else isn't in their costume. Everyone else just does a dry run in their regular clothes. And so I'm in my costumes, which I have not met most of these people before. So I was a bit like, hi, everyone. <laughs> Very overwhelmed. Oh, wow. Um, and then that night I did the show and it was just, just the best. Like I came out of that. And I was like, this is, I, I didn't think I could love my life anymore. And it, it was just exceeded every expectation. So did you do, I think a lot of people, like the way I learned it, I think a lot of people back in the day, like we would learn a few numbers, you'd go into a few more. And then the next night you add, you went into the full show. Yeah. So I had two and a half weeks. I learned all of the show. I did like all my rehearsals, um, alone, like in costumes and everything. And then, yeah, I just went into the whole thing at one time. So did you feel part of the cast by that, that time? Cause uh, like how, cause you come in new, everybody's kind of got their friendships and their backstage yeah. place. Everybody is, and you sit wherever there was a spot. Yeah. And so that's kind of becomes your family, right? That's where does. you sit is how it my starts. Spot was, uh, was um, in like the bigger lodge for the bluebells. And I, I just can't talk about the bluebells higher and all of the people there, like everyone was just so welcoming the girls backstage helped me put my costumes so that I knew exactly where they had to be. Everyone just made sure that I, I didn't feel stressed on my opening night. They all wanted me to have a relaxed, enjoyable night. So I think they all put in the maximum effort to, to make it feel calm for me, which was just, it, it did make the difference. Because I felt, even though some of them I'd only met that day, made me feel welcome and made me feel comfortable. Like even to the small part of, you finish your first show and everyone, as soon as the cur- curtains shut, everyone cheers for you and makes you feel part of the family. Um, it's just, it's such a, a wild, exhilarating, like you just, you come out of that. It, you just, you don't have that feeling often in life. And it is yeah. just it, crazy. It was, it was amazing. When you had a time, like the contract comes up, did you have any hesitation or were you like, I'm in Paris, I'm going to keep signing because were they six months at a time or one year contracts uh, out of the my first one was six months and then they're all different lengths depends um on what they have available at the time what they offer you um i kind of as soon as they'd offered me the next one i was like where do i sign i just yeah. i didn't think about it um and then there was a period of time where i was like maybe i do want to do something else um i did come home here last year for i think i was here for almost three months um, where I just wasn't sure what I was doing. And they were like, yeah, we're happy for you to take a break um, and we'll contact you, contact us, we'll work out what's happening. And then I went back um, the end of last year and just slotted, literally slotted back into, I did like not even a week of rehearsals just to make sure I knew the show and then jumped back in. Um, and it was cool. I, I had, had the opportunity to learn a lot of places in the show and a lot of um, tracks in the show. Um, and I got to be a replacement dance captain eventually, like all of those kind of things. I kind of felt like I, I got to experience a lot of, um, a lot of different parts of the show. Like I learned 17 tracks, which is not everyone will like understand like 17, an hour and 45 minute show tracks where some of them are similar and some of them are very, very different. So doing the 12 blue bell tracks and the five bell tracks was my show every night was, I never did the same show twice. Even within a two show night, I would do a different show, first show and second show nine times out of 10. 
where things would change or you'd move or someone couldn't do a number or even small things like it just would be easier if you did that number and I did this. It was it was really cool. I, I learned so much about running a show and like how much my brain can take in. I was surprised. I didn't think I would learn that much. Well, I think that when something's really different, it's almost easier than when it's similar. Like Absolutely. how, like, wait, where, where am I now? Like, yeah, to not mix it up seemed like that would be harder to do instead of just switch it totally. Absolutely. When it's one count difference or just the opposite side, some reason that's twice as hard as still doing a completely right. different show. Because the, there's the blue. So people who listen to this, a lot of us know this, but the blue bells yes. are the covered dancers. Yes. The bells are the... The topless dancers. The topless. Okay. And then there's the sublimes, which are the... Yeah, the principles. principles. Yeah. How so, many? How many are each one? Is it evenly divided, or is it uh, not um, quite? There's twelve bluebells, um, and we're often like a tiny bit smaller size, um, which I was like kind of average height there. And then the bells are uh, there's ten of those, and they are a little bit taller on average. Um, so when I did the bell line, I was one of the smaller ones, uh, which I had, like I said before, never experienced that in my life being one of the <laughs> ones I'm like I'm looking up at girls and I'm like oh my you're just so beautiful and tall and wow I'm looking up at you because I've never done that before in my life um and then the sublimes there's five of those so they're again normally a little bit taller um and they all have their own solo parts in the show which is really really cool Hmm. um yeah and then we have the singer well we have two singers but one on each night um and then there's 10 boys 10, I think 10. <laughs> so when you were hearing that the show is going to possibly be closed for a while, did you guys have a, a, a last show or was it like called when no. you'd already had the last show? So you didn't even get to we'd have like an had, ending. We'd already had the last show and I actually had already had the last show on the Wednesday. My night off at that time was Thursdays. And so the Wednesday night show, we'd had rehearsals all day we were exhausted. Like that was one of those really long days. We'd like, no one had gone home between rehearsals and the shows. We just eaten at the theater, done your makeup, ready for the show. It was a long day. We did the show. Um, we had a talent show, which we put on as a cast, um, which was just a fun show for all of us to choreograph a number, to be involved in other people's numbers, which we'd done on the Tuesday. So we're already super tired from that after the show Tuesday. We'd had a party. We'd gone to rehearsals on the Wednesday. We did the show. And I had Thursdays off. So by the end of the Wednesday night, I like got into my taxi to go home and I was just like, oh, day off. Little did I know that was the last show I was going to do. Yeah. And then the Thursday night, they all went in, did their show. Um, me and my friends had gone, um, had a little dinner. Um, it was weird because a few things were still open. We could still have dinners. And like, I'd met my friend for a coffee during the day, gone for a walk in the park. I was looking after my friend's dogs at the time, taking the dogs for a walk, like just normal life things. They'd have the show that night. And then the Friday, I met my friend for like a different friend for coffee and had the puppies again. We're excited. Like it just was a really cool day. It was like freezing cold. It was just one of those days that the sun was out. It felt nice. It was just lovely. And then we get an email, uh, work is closed. Do not come back in. And we were all like, oh. And so like our dance captains then, you know, sent us an email. Like we had like, it had a lot of information in the email. They, they did really inform us. Um, yeah, but it because that seems like a lot to figure out how to get home and are you leaving your apartments behind and exactly. are so, we are, are we coming back to Paris? That's it. So they kind of said, you know, it'd be closed for a month, um, maybe six weeks maximum, um, just until they open um, the borders until the government say we can run the show. So all of us were just thinking, okay, a little holiday. That's cool. 
Um, and we'd had like calls from the head office. We had calls from people like I had calls from Jane, who's our ballet mistress. Like we'd had all sorts of things. Um, I had calls from the dance captain, like this is what's happening. This is blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, we all kind of just dispersed. Um, like I didn't even get to see a lot of my friends for the last time there. Like I, like they all live overseas and like all of us didn't really get to see each other because we went home, we packed our suitcases. Like I pretty much looked around my apartment and went, well, what's the most important things I take? Because I'm going home for six weeks, but in the back of my mind was like, well, what happens if it's longer than that? And I'd already said I was going to leave in the end of June. So I'm thinking, well, the end of June, if I'm going home in March, what if it does get extended and I don't come back? And then, so, but then I kind of like spoke to myself, like, no, don't be silly. Like, this is like kind of the whole world. Like, no, this is just a small little right. thing. A few weeks over. will be back to normal. A couple of weeks will be back to normal. And so, yeah, then I, um, I did the, um, I flew home and the airport was eerie. It was like a ghost town. It was terrifying. Um, and there was a girl from the mall on, on my flight and we kind of just sat there and like, she went to the same college that I went to actually, but she was quite a few years below me. She was, um, I think she was 19 or maybe she just turned 20. She's quite young. Um, and we, we sat there and we spoke and we just like, both of us couldn't believe that we were flying home. Like, and she hadn't seen her family in like a year either. And like, there was just so many things that we were just like, God, I can't believe like, I was getting prepared. Like we'd all plan like nights out, like the next few weeks we had plans, like, you know, how you do like, oh, it's this person's birthday next week. We're going to go here. We're going to see this show. Like I really wanted to see the um, new parody Latan show. Like there were so many things that we'd planned and all of these things that just like in the blink of an eye were like snatched away. And we were like, oh, okay. So we're at Abu Dhabi airport. We're flying home and we're in all these masks. We've got we're getting our temperature checked all the time. We're having to wash our hands. We have to sanitize our, our suitcases. We get on the planes. You're not allowed to take your mask off. You're not allowed to do this. Like there were so many rules, which now those rules seem like absolutely nothing. But at the time, because we so, that was so foreign. I was yeah. like, I have to wear a mask. Okay. And then like the little things like, you know, everyone's like, you know, when you get on the plane, make sure you wipe down all of the surface area. And I was like, okay, I do that anyway. Cause I'm a little bit OCD. So I do that on the plane anyway, but like, I was like, God, like everyone's doing it. And like to see everyone like kind of panicking a bit was a little bit like confronting. It was like yeah, was yeah. home. And like I said, I had to quarantine in my room. And from that, I think it took, a, it took a while for my brain to realize that I, I don't know if I'll do another show at Lido. I don't know if I will go back there and how it's kind of panning out in my life. I, I don't think I will. And which is, it's, it's strange to, to not have that um, closure of it. Yeah. Um, but it did take me a while to realize that. And there was, a, there was a point in lockdown, I was definitely getting quite agitated and quite mad. And like, I was just grumpy a lot. And I, it wasn't until I really stopped and realized what it was that I was having these feelings about. It wasn't my life. I, I was in a great spot. I was working, I was teaching Pilates. I was with my family, like so many things that I was grateful for. Um, I was at home, like I've not lived at home since I was 19. So like living back at home, I'm I'm 26 now and I'm nearly 27. Living back at home is like, it's wild. Like I get to see my family every day and I get to, um, it's just me and my mom at home, but my, my nieces and nephews are around a lot because they live right near us. Like things like that, that I, I'm just so thankful for. And I, yet I was still in this like mindset of just, I was mad at something and I couldn't work it out. And I would talk to my friends and like, I'd see my friends like, 
well, when I could, or like I'd FaceTime them and I just, nothing seemed to like take this, it, like I'd feel great in that moment. But as soon as I'd like stop, I'd like have this weird, and I, I stopped, I didn't, wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't eating well. I was just not in a great spot. And this was probably maybe three or four months after I got home. And then it just hit me one day. I was just sitting there thinking, and I was like, what am I mad about? And it wasn't that I'm mad about anything. It was just the realization that my life has changed so much this year not in a bad way, not in a, not in a way that should make me feel upset, but I just hadn't really taken the time to process that it had just happened. And then all of a sudden I had these realizations of maybe I won't go back to Lido. And then I would stop and I'd think about, it. I didn't just brush it off. I actually stopped and thought about it. Like, is that, am I okay with, it or am I upset about it? And I need to deal with this right here and now, because there's no point in holding onto this. And then, so I did kind of stop and think about all these different things and um, I definitely found running was a way I coped with it, um, which I hadn't realized at the start I was doing it to cope with it. And then until I realized, and then I used that to actually help. I would take that time I'm running to think about what do I miss most about being there? What do I love about being home? What, what am I looking forward to in the future? And what am I thankful that I've done? And my lists would go on for, for the whole run and I'd get home and I would just feel clear. I would feel light. And I, that was my way of dealing with it. And that, and then doing some, I'd made my, I was like, no, you miss dancing, do some online dance classes. So I did. So I did the dance classes and I felt so good. And I, I really found a rhythm and I've realized, yes, I, I do miss it. I miss all of those people. I miss all of my friends there. They are my family there. Paris is my oh. second home. That's what I know as my second home. And it forever will be like that. Um, but I'm also super happy with, what I've achieved. And yes, there's other things I'd love to do, whether they happen or not, who knows, but I'm so grateful for everything I've experienced as a dancer. So grateful for everything that I've been able to learn and the people I've met. And just, there's so much that I I've achieved that if I had have asked my 16 year old self who thought I'd be a dancer in life, these weren't the things I would have ever imagined. I thought maybe if I was lucky, I'd get a job on a cruise ship or maybe I'd get a job in, a small gig here and there. I never imagined living in a different country, let alone living overseas for the last eight years working and, and dancing. And the, I think it's just, yeah, that thinking about those things and, and working out how I actually felt about the whole situation made me realize that I'm okay with it. And yes, this pandemic's, you know, accelerated probably what I was going to do. Um, it all happens for a reason. I'm grateful for how it's happened and everything in life is just, you just got to take it for what it is and what's happening right in front of you at that time. You can't hold on to anything. It's not worth it. That was a question I was going to ask to finish our interview and you answered it more beautifully than I could have asked. Um, because it is interesting. Like if you had chosen this, like you were going to go into nursing profession, yes. you'd be doing what you're doing now, but you would have had like, I'm choosing this and I'm going to choose, but also the timing on a lot of your stuff, just kind of like, here's where we're going now. Like I'm going to leave on a Tuesday for an audition, <laughs> but, it, but it, the part that I'm wondering, I think it's interesting with the internet and zoom, like to not get to have a closing and a goodbye. It feels like just this weird movie scene of you all just spreading out. Yeah. But because there's travel, like you, you won't be able to have a, a final show together. Or if you all end up back there together, it'd be interesting. Cause after this much time, people may be doing other things. Yeah. But the friendships, I mean, even this podcast of people that I lost contact with 
passport 30 years ago because we have new married names and all that. And you find them and you find out you still have that bond. Yeah. But what you guys have, it's more recent. So it's just going to be interesting to see how many people go back or that you have a new thing. That's also an exciting thing and dance. You may go back to it or not. And, but the choice is you still have a choice in this, which is interesting because it feels like there was no choice yeah the pandemic hit but like how absolutely I think yeah when it hit it was kind of just forced upon everyone and I think so many people have it may not be their permanent and the only thing they're going to do now but so many people it's made you think about what else do you like in life what else do you want to focus on a little bit and so many people have taken those avenues just to have that little something under your belt just a little something extra that you know you have um which like one day I I will have a dance school. I will. One day I will have a dance school. I'd love, I can't wait to have that. But I also love the idea of nursing and I, to somehow have both of those eventually when I'm older to run simultaneously would be ideal. And Mm. I think so many people have found that little something that they love and they've got the interest in. And this has just given them the time to to find it and appreciate it. And I think like you said, like all of us, it is so recent. And we have such good technology now to catch up. Like we, I speak to my friends weekly. Hmm. Like we've all got different time frames, time zones, and we've all got different things that we have to get done and all of that. But we speak to each other a lot. And when I speak to them, like I said, when you see your friends that you've seen yesterday, like it is just like you've you've just seen. There's no awkward, like uncomfortableness. It's just when you've all worked in that industry, we've all had the same thing happen to us. Like everyone in this industry, everyone in the industries that have been hit hard, everyone in the world at the moment, you have those connections with people that are just now stronger because you all understand what everyone else is going through. And yeah, I think it's just, it's crazy. Wow. Well, it's interesting. I think this might've come up in a few interviews, how dancers just are able to adapt so much easier because for a lot of people, like I'm going to do this for this many years, I'm going to do my job this long, I'm going to retire. And then I'm going to go do this where dancers like, like, I love the whole thing. Like the audition is Tuesday and it's whatever day that was. You are able to switch gears and adapt and find other things that you're good at. Because I think like the fact that you have Pilates and that you could teach dance and then the nursing thing, like I was telling you, I'm a massage therapist, so I can't yeah. make money teaching dance right now. No. And, and massage was a little, like, for a long time, we couldn't do that because of COVID. But, like, I'm glad I have this other thing as well. Because when dance, for some people, is your whole world, and that goes away. If there isn't anything else that you found, that's, like, I think the whole thing of finding out who you are isn't just what you do as an occupation. But absolutely, what you have to offer is not necessarily your job. And you are able to adapt and find new ways and meet new people and find new new ways to have a community as opposed to, like, pulling apart this thing that was so beautiful of having a show together. But the way you go travel, when we can finally travel with your dog, oh. let's travel again. You, What's oh, kind of nice, like, you instead of a whole cast, like, one-on-one like you can go anywhere because isn't that cast like all over the world all over the world like there's people everywhere and I can't wait to go and and see my friends that I know from Paris home the people that have now gone home some people have had children and gone back home and to see them in their environment is like it's a different person like you see someone in their own home environment like to have those connections for the rest of my life I'm so so grateful for and just like one thing I am excited about post COVID, like with all the traveling and stuff to have a holiday that's not dance based. And that mm. sounds, 
because everything I've ever done has been either for work or for auditions. I've never just really taken a holiday to take a holiday. So to, to have that like opportunity after COVID finally lifts, maybe before everything gets settled back into normal life, when you have those little opportunities um, to go and see a friend in South Africa, to go and see a friend in America, to go back to Europe and see all those different countries that I didn't get around to seeing, there's just endless opportunities. And I think, especially in our day and age, like there's just the opportunities we have now are endless. Like things like traveling alone somewhere aren't seen to be absurd. They're not seen to be some crazy idea. Like they're things that people do and that's how people learn who they are as a person, I think. And just, yeah, those kind of opportunities that are ahead. I think everyone at the moment in the arts and entertainment industry um, just are taking it all by like, taking the bull by the horns and just riding with it because they have to. And I think yes. every single person is finding their feet and should be so proud of themselves because everyone's doing something. Mm. Okay. To end on this, because you kind of, you've said it, like we've already talked about what the challenges are, but we say when life goes back to normal, cause I remember like this opportunity to rest was this almost guilty at first. And then it was like, Oh, this is, I'm different when I'm resting. Yeah. And there's when people would talk about going back to normal, I'm like, I don't want to go back to that place when you realize like, we don't have to be going, going, going. Is there anything that you would take out of this? Like, instead of like, okay, I'm just going to go back. Cause I don't think we have that illusion anymore that we're just going to go no. back to what it was. Is there anything from this time that you, that you said, this is what I want to bring into my next part of my life out of this yes, timeout? Exactly. I think I, um, I am a person that struggles to have downtime. I don't, I don't, I never like look at my week and be like, okay, I'm going to have that evening as an evening to just relax. I don't do that. I, I barely sit down. I'm running around here, there, everywhere. Even when I'm at home, I'm finding something to do. And I think this, this pandemic has taught me to appreciate the rest that you can have because you don't know when you're going to have time to rest. So if you can have that opportunity to have a little rest, whether it be sitting on the couch, watching TV, whether I'm sat outside reading a book, whatever it is that I'm doing just appreciate that and I think that's something I will definitely carry on with me because I I feel like I function so much better as a human when I just allow even a little rest even as an hour or two hours a couple times a week is just makes the world of difference to me uh I yeah. this has been delightful and I think that I keep talking about like the reason I'm doing the podcast was to tell stories because all the stories matter but like if you're not present in your story like, I think, you know, some of us that was so long ago and I'm like, I wish I was more present when right. I was living this. Cause there's things that stand out, but I think that that ability to take this in, if people are going to go back and do the show, I think there's a different realization that like, if we're so busy, we're not really experiencing where we are now. It's like my next job, my next thing, my next fun thing to do. It's like, I think that like, I've just, I say this, I think I said this in my last interview too. I, we have a show every year for my studio yeah. And we have a circle time and I always, you know, thank the new dancers and new choreographers, but I say this every year because I mean it more every year. Yeah. Like don't be, you know, you know, rushing on getting on stage doing your next piece, like take a moment. Cause sometimes when you have that almost out of body or like out of time, when you look around who you're on stage with and go, like you said, like you were saying this before we recorded, like you look at this talent that you're yeah. with and take a moment to like really be present. Cause you could do a whole show and go home and go, I don't remember doing it. Yeah. 
And so I think it's like when you can take that part of rest and presence and then really experience like these things that come and go, like that dance career is not forever. And to to really savor. I think I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that that's another thing, just being present in the moment and not waiting for that next thing to happen, waiting for the next thing, whether it be, I've got a meeting at 12, I've got this at this time, just be present, know that they're there. That's fine. But be present in that moment you're in. Um, and just appreciate that moment for what it is because the next moment's coming and then that moment is gone. You're not getting that moment back. That's done. So I think that's another thing. Definitely presence in life in general is just being amplified and a bit of a spotlight, like something it is important, which it is. Yeah. We can end it on there. We have fixed the world. We made it. (laughs) No, there's no more issues before. (laughs) So what is fun is every time like I uh, put the podcast out, I always post pictures and there's going to be, you have amazing pictures. But then I also, because I have to be friends with you on Facebook and Instagram, I can follow your journey. And so now I understand the picture of you with your, um, I don't know you call it. It's not a uniform. What do you call that for the nurses? Um, Scrub. Like scrub. scrub. Yeah. Cause I'm like, okay, this is different than our pictures of her in a G string. And also it might be fun for your patients to know that they're a um, nurse. And then you start telling them your stories and then show them what you can do physically, like some of those upside down, <laughs> but yeah, it'll be fun to watch your journey and just know that whatever you're doing, you've, you've got this, you it's, it's yeah, exciting to see your attitude for life. Stuff coming up. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be like, whatever we think we're doing, we might go, well, here's something we didn't think was going to be a thing. That's it the ability to to pivot and swivel and bevel yeah absolutely <laughs> well best to you it was really really wonderful to talk to you and I think yeah it's midnight here if the time difference but I feel like oh gosh I'm like wide awake right now I'm ready to like to do something active right now so um, no thank you for having me yeah thank you for the inspiration and uh, I'm hoping that the young and old when we get to hear each other's stories of how much in common we have and but how everybody's story is just so unique to who they are that none of us have lived the same story even though we may have done the same show well best to you you take care of yourself and i'm excited to see um what comes next for you thank you so much bye-bye bye